Just Rainbows and Unicorns, a podcast made with love in Kalamazoo, Michigan by Nicole and Michael Van Putten. We take topics we find interesting, we do a little research, we do a little bit of that, and then we get together each weekend and we talk about them. You can visit us online at notjustrainbows.net. There you can view show notes, add your comments, or send your suggestions for future episodes. We'd love to hear from you. Hey, happy podcast day, Nicole. Podcast day. Yes. That I want is you today. to be pumped about podcast, Joe. Sorry, I was drinking my purple Gatorade. I, I was kind of like the uh, wait staff at a restaurant where you're like, let me get this refreshing beverage here. Oh, hello, sir. Would you like to hear about the Magna Carta? Yeah, I was gulping grape zero sugar Gatorade. That sounds delicious. It is good. I am enjoying a ruby red grapefruit polar seltzer. From a marketing perspective, I can look at this and see at the top it says refreshingly natural. And then it says 100% natural in the middle of the can and then calorie free. So I don't know. Is it refreshingly natural or is it 100% natural? Or is can we infer from that that 100% is equal to refreshingly? I don't know. Well, these are important questions that we're not going to be talking about in this episode. We've got really a whole bunch of really great show notes to go through today. And by we, I mean Nicole did our homework for us. Well done, Nicole. I think that you did a great job on our homework for us. Yeah, it's just a bunch of other stuff that I was thinking about this week. I see the first uh, thing in the show notes. It says, Jake. No, that's joke. Well, you know, the thing is, if I look at it with my character conus eye, it looks like Jake because yeah. of the O. But if I look at my, with my other eye, I can see that that was a bad joke that I did. Oh. So yeah. what? you want to talk about jokes? Well, I don't want to talk about jokes. I have a joke. Oh, I was afraid for a second it might be an intervention for me to get the dad jokes to stop. No. What did the baby corn say to the mommy corn? What did the baby corn say to the mama corn? I'm ready to be buttered up. Where is the popcorn? (laughs) Where's the popcorn? That's good. That is my joke. The um, Alexa offered to tell me a joke yesterday when I was in the kitchen and... Uh, it said, ask me about what the perfect gift is for a Zen master. Okay. He's like, okay, I wonder what this is. Its answer was a house. Because. What? Because Zen masters like to live in the present. Because so a house is a present. Where would they like to live? That is in not funny at it all. It wasn't. I like, it was one of those where I kind of stopped. It's like. <laughs> Is it funny and I'm not getting it? It was a stretch. It, it, yeah. Did you tell her that was not funny? No, I just kind of looked at her and was like, eh. Well, there's a reason why I I was in that state of mind uh, when I was looking at it. It was towards the end of yesterday. Yeah, I would have told her it wasn't funny. Yeah. I would have just been like, you know what? That was not one of your best. You need to you need to work on that, lady. Where, where did you get your joke from? Um, I don't remember, but when I heard it, I wrote it down. Well, that's cool. It's kind yeah. of reminds that that phrase reminds me of when we used to say, "I heard it and then I came out." Yep. That old that old phrase that everybody knows. <sighs> yep. So I see the next thing is you want to say that baseball rules. Well, no. I mean, maybe. The rules of baseball have changed. They are changing. They've changed. Is it four strikes now? So the Major League Baseball people have decided that over the past hundred years, baseball has gotten kind of boring, which I know some people might think, well, baseball is just boring. There's just no way around it. And Baseball games take a long time. Major League Baseball, it takes a while to finish a game. And it used to be 
you know, a few years ago, you could watch a Major League Baseball game and it would take about two and a half hours to two and a half hours. And now it takes over three hours. It seems like the few times that I've watched it and you got me into baseball briefly, probably 10 years ago now in the Tigers and then they traded all the players that I knew and I faded back out again. But it seemed like baseball comes down to not how well, how what your skills are. It's how well you can avoid making errors that scoring and other things really comes down to people making errors at that skill level. Would you say that's true? Mm. Yeah. I mean, it's skill, but it's, I mean, I don't know. Kind of like watching a tug of war with almost two equally match teams and it comes down to one if one of them remembered to tie their shoes or not yeah i don't know this the you know the the guy in charge the the president of major league baseball his name is like robert or roger i don't even know still but what how do i know that is it what bob selig something like that that bob robert I, i don't know so he decided that baseball was getting boring which for the head of the mlb just be like hey this is my job and it's kind of dull yeah, Robert you, D. Manfred Jr. Okay, Robert, you know that something is going on. And so I guess all the, the guys in charge of baseball, they, they sat down and they said, okay, well, we're going to make it better. We're going to make the game last fewer minutes so that everyone will tune in, which obviously is not going to happen. This doesn't seem good for their ad revenue. Well, I mean, they'll have ad revenue anyway, but I don't know. They just, so they got together and they put these rules. They decided on these new rules. So they're old rules, but they're just improving on them. And so this is what they came up with. And I don't know, honestly, I might tune into a couple games and see what happens. So the first rule, and if you are not a baseball fan, I'll try to make this as interesting as possible, but I don't know, just do something else. I have no idea. So the first rule is a shift rule. And when baseball players are on the field, they can, there's something called a shift rule. It's defensive shift and players can no longer do this. About a year ago, they could do this and now they cannot. So the players can no longer shift on the field for batters who hit differently. So they so, have to like stand in a specific space? Like- exactly. The players oh. have to play the position that they were put on the field to play. So the players can move only after the ball leaves the pitcher's hand. They can no longer, like let's say I'm making these names up. These are not actual baseball players. So John comes up to hit the ball. He's the batter. And Edward is the pitcher. But John has this reputation in baseball for hitting balls really far into left field. So instead of all of the players remaining in their positions, like in the infield, they start to kind of wander out towards left field because they know that John is going to hit the ball out towards left field. So, you know, people start to wander out there a little bit. They cannot do that anymore. They have to stay in their positions until the ball leaves the pitcher's hand. Then willy-nilly, everybody can do their own thing. That does seem like that could potentially speed things up and make it a little bit more fun. Well, they're doing this because it will both improve the game and it will improve the batting averages of players because players aren't getting hits. Because if you can, if the people on the field can move to where they know the ball is going to go, the ball is going to get caught get caught the the ball is going to be caught and the player is going to be out yeah the ball is going to get catched (laughs) and (laughs) the player is going to be out and so if the players can't move to where the ball is going to go the ball is going to be in play for longer and the player is going to have a better chance of getting on base 
So the way Sports Illustrated explained it is this will improve the batting averages because players can no longer group together. They have to play their positions and balls will get through instead of actual plays. No, and they the balls will get through and they will be actual plays instead of outs. So my thoughts on this rule are what before this rule became a rule, the shift rule, the players who came up to bat and no one moved, how embarrassing for those people. No one shifted. So let's, I know, like uh, poor George who came up to bat and everybody just stood there. George's parents are like, it's okay, George. Next season, you're working hard. You're going to be able to get them to shift for you. So George's batting coach was like, okay, George, it's all right. You have you have to have confidence in yourself. You you have to be confident in your own hitting abilities. Don't worry about the haters in the field who know that you can't hit it past the infield. Poor George. But now it doesn't matter. They can't move anyway. So, you know. What's the reaction to this change? Is it been welcomed? Is it been panned? They tried it out in the minor leagues, and it actually improved the batting averages of the players. So it works. Well, it it will. But if if you think about it, it's like it's going to improve the stats of the batters and it's going to decrease the stats of the outfielders. So, like, somebody has to lose because they won't be catching in as, as many balls as easily as they could before. So it seems like somebody would be, like, the purity of the game. No, the, the players the players actually thought it was an okay rule. They said it worked pretty well, and if it improves the stats of the players, they were okay with it. They said it was fine, and it made the game okay, and it nobody... Like, it yeah. does seem like it would make it a more active, fun game. Yeah. Bring some freshness to it and everything. I wonder for, for these players, you know, what by the time they get to the minors or the major leagues, they've been playing baseball since they were little kids. Yeah. So, like, how hard is it if you've been taught to play the game the way they have been their entire life and now... Well, one player did bring that up, like how you now teach kids that these positions exist and you can no longer do this anymore. And someone said, you just do. You Mm. just teach them and this is the way it is. They have like a Khan Academy course for it? I don't know. I have no idea. So the next rule is the pitch clock. So there are literal timers, like, you know, iPhone, not an iPhone timer, but there's a little timer, clocks. Pitchers will have 15 seconds to throw a pitch with the bases empty and 20 seconds with a runner on base. Hitters will need to be in the batter's box within eight seconds on the pitch clock. Here's the thing. Pitchers will be penalized with a ball if they don't follow this rule, and a batter is penalized with a strike. So this is why they're doing this, because and this is what absolutely drove me bonkers when I watched baseball, because I watched a lot of baseball. The pitchers would go to the mound, and they fiddle around. They monkey around. They shuffled their feet they put the ball you know they toss the ball from their hands they wipe their hands on their pants they turn in circles I'm like what are you doing out there seriously what are you doing and the batter they go up to the the plate and they like mess with their gloves they tie their shoes they chat with the I I mean seriously they're like fiddling around. It could take minutes for them to get ready. Now they have 15 seconds. And if they don't, if they're not ready in those 15 to 20 seconds, they are penalized. And it's a big penalty, a ball or a strike. And that's a big deal. I first thought that the penalty was going to be money. I thought, oh, well, they're going to penalize these guys' money. But these guys make millions and millions of dollars a year. Money doesn't have any effect on them. So I was talking to my dad, 
And my dad's like, oh, yeah, they're going to penalize them with a ball or a strike. I was like, damn. Yeah, ball or a strike. So pitch clock. It will make a huge difference. And they did. They tried it in the minors, and it cut 45 minutes off the time in a game. People just dawdling around, chatting. Huh. They do so much nothing that it was just it was it was it was crazy so yeah that's and so both of these i I didn't expect this to be interesting and (laughs) so far both of these changes i actually find very interesting so the next one is a pickoff and a pickoff is when it's a fake out it's when the pitcher is on the mound and he throws the ball or he does a fake out to try to get a guy out. So he'll like turn and he'll watch the the guy on the base go and he try or he tries to keep the runner close to the base. So the runner is like shuffling, he's on the runner's on first and he's shuffling towards second and the the pitcher keeps turning around over and over and over again. And the pitcher will act like he's going to throw the ball or he'll turn around and be like, oh, I'm trying to catch you. You know, don't go to second base. Those are pickoffs. So hitters will need to be, I'm sorry, this pickoffs take up so much time. It's insane. Sometimes I just want the pitcher to throw the ball and get the guy out. Even if it's my team, I'm like, all right, dude. Pick a base or just be out because you're driving me nuts. This takes up so much time. Pitchers are allowed now with this new rule. Pitchers are allowed pickoff time, pickoff attempts per plate appearance without penalty. That is a lot of P's. So what happens is they're allowed two pickoff attempts. So it was infinite, and now they're permitted two. Yes. What counts is two. Like if if they look, does that count? Um, I think it's up to the umpires. If a third attempt is made, the pitcher will be charged with a bulk. And what a bulk is is if a pitcher tries to intentionally deceive the hitter or the running by flinching. So it's kind of like a fake out, uh-huh. and. Any If they're charged with a bulk, then any man on base gets to move forward. If there are no men on base, then a ball is called. And that's per game or that's per person on base? Per person on base. Okay. So they technically still can kind of like like twice for each. Yeah. So, but usually per runner or per hitter, the number of pickoffs is just mind-boggling it takes up so much extra time like every five seconds the pitcher would turn around it's because I think the pitcher has in his brain okay I have to pay attention to the guy in front of me who is hitting the ball maybe the three guys behind me who are trying to round the bases it was just too much and so that kind of takes that out of his brain he can't do that anymore so my thought is more stolen bases. I think this will allow for players to steal more bases because if the pitcher can no longer turn around and pick off a guy by throwing the ball to get the guy out, runners are going to have more, I, I don't know, more opportunities to steal a base so the guy in first is not going to worry that the pitcher is going to turn around and get him out he's going to run to second which will make it more exciting yeah create more moments of tension and everything i was looking online because i was curious if stealing a base was always possible or if it was started at a certain time you know it's always good to do your in-depth research in the episode when you've got 10 seconds to do it. Um, 
I didn't find a distinctive answer. There's like one thing in Wikipedia that says in 1892, a rule credited runners with stolen bases if a base runner advanced on a flyout, but it sounds like it was more of a particular rule. But it's like this is a countermeasure to an existing rule, so it makes me start to wonder, did baseball always allow stealing bases, or is that something that they added in a long time ago to speed things up? Well, they said that the current rules, well, the rules that were in place before the most current rule change have been the rules for the last 100 years. So I don't know. That's a long time. Yeah. And the last rule that they changed that is the most notable is bigger bases. The bases went from 15 inches to 18 inches. And a lot of people said it's funny because when you watch the game now on television, it looks like there are these huge white pizza boxes <laughs> as bases. <laughs> they they're, went from they're large huge. to extra large. They're gigantic. And a lot of sports writers could not figure it out. Like, why? What was the point of that? I read that larger bases, they're supposed to decrease the number of in- injuries and increase the number of stolen bases. More bases, more base area to work with makes it easier to steal because you can have both the player who is at the base, so the first baseman there, and the runner. So the guy who's running from first to second, trying to steal second, and the second baseman on the base at the same time, you'll have less chance of the guy who's sliding into second getting an ankle injury. I don't know. My thought was bigger bases will have less space between the bases. And I was so excited because I was right. There's four and a half inches, which is not very much space, but some people did talk about this, four and a half fewer inches between the bases altogether, which is not that much space, but it seemed to be a big deal to people. So the runners have to run four and a half fewer inches altogether. So four and a half fewer inches. So Ned Cuthbert playing for the Philadelphia Keystones in either 1863 or 1865 was the first player to steal a base in a baseball game, although the term stolen base was not used until 1870. Ned, innovating. All right. And so like the... So like changing the size of the base actually changes a lot of the dynamics of the game. I I guess. I don't know. They, if this was a software program, it's like little patch releases to be able to nerf something or like tweak something else. Yes. And they, you're going to watch a game and see if you like it? I am. If it if it's shorter and it the the action moves faster, who knows? Maybe it will be more exciting. And they are getting more hits the because the the hitting batting averages of these players was just dropping to nothing and it was the games were just really really boring but apparently that is changing so we'll see we will see i don't know huh so that is baseball i don't know maybe go watch a game and see what you think the exciting world of mlb who knows well, maybe now it is a little bit more exciting. Yeah, I don't know. Who knows? They need to have that team go over and work on golf, huh? Yeah, I don't think that's a sport you can save. It's not going to get you back into watching it. Are you going to still follow the Tigers? Um, yeah, probably. I mean, stick with your root for team. the home team. Yeah, probably. Cool. Probably. Well, you'll owe us an update. You have to come back and tell us if it changed your mind about watching or if you're just like, eh. Yep. I'm, I'm curious. Yep. I want to know. I want to be able to do like a podcast update. Yep. All right. Next up, very related. So the, the train so far, the first stop was jokes. Second stop was baseball rules. Third stop is coffee stains in the travel mug. Friends, do you ever have stains in your travel (laughs) mugs? You know, it's kind of a frustrating thing. You don't want to taste yesterday's coffee. You want to taste today's coffee. Well, Nicole has some things to... Is it 
things to create the stains or is it, I'm presuming it's things to clean up the stains? It's to get rid of them. I, I think that if anyone drinks coffee or tea and they use a travel mug or even just a regular coffee cup, they have this problem. If you don't, I would like to talk to you because you have some sort of magical coffee and tea that... Or you're in denial and you never clean your mug. Yeah, you just... Gross. Yeah, I don't know what's going on in your world, but there's something weird. Bacteria is going on in your world. Right. Because I use a Zojirushi travel mug, even though I don't travel anywhere, I still use it. And travel from the kitchen to the other room. Right. My travel mug gets washed with soap and water every day, but it still has coffee stains in it. And they are, they're just there. My cup is very clean, but it still has stains in it. And the stains drive me crazy. They make me very upset. And they will not go away. I cannot get rid of them. I have tried so many things. They are just there permanently. A lot of people... Do they build up over time? Or is it from them sitting longer and being able to dry and cure? Or... um. No, it's just the same. I have no idea. You start with a brand new cup, a brand new Zojirushi cup, and they just will not go away. They will come out of the the cup itself, which has, what is that? Stainless steel. They'll come off of the stainless steel interior cup, but the, the plastic top part, it stains the plastic hmm. and the the seal part, which is, I think, not silicone, maybe rubber it stains that and it will not come off from it. So I don't know. Um, the things I have tried that work um, are Bottle Bright tablets. And that works really well for getting it off of the the stains off of the inside of the cup. But they're very expensive. They're tablets. You put them in, add hot water, let it sit. Those are pricey. They work. Uh, the Generic of Bottle Bright is called Clean Hike, and they're just, I don't know, it's generic Bottle Bright tablets. You get them on Amazon. Those work, but they are very minty, and they leave a minty kind of... That does not sound like a pleasant addition to coffee. Yeah, you have to rinse it a lot. You have to clean it out a lot afterwards. It's They work, but it's annoying, and they do not clean the plastic very well at all, but the bottle bright doesn't either. Um, other people say you can use retainer cleaner or um, denture cleaner. That does not work at all. I've tried it. Big fail. No. The thing that I've found that works the best, that is the least expensive, is baking soda. And you just make a paste out of that and you use a bottle brush. You can't use... What is that bottle brush that you use made out of? Silicone. Yeah, you can't use a silicone bottle brush because it doesn't have enough abrasion on it. You have to use a, what is the other bottle brush we have made out of? Uh, bristles. Yeah, you have to use a bristle brush, bottle brush, and just put the baking soda in there and use a bristle brush. And How it, do you make paste? just put some baking soda in a little container and add some water Hmm. until it comes into a paste consistency. The other thing you can do is just put some baking soda, like a tablespoon, a couple teaspoons of baking soda in the cup itself and just add a little water. I mean, it's that easy. And your cup will be clean. And it's really inexpensive because baking soda is very inexpensive. So baking soda, and it does not leave a scent behind. It doesn't leave anything offensive behind at all. Baking soda, it works really well. Baking soda also will take away the smell on the plastic, and it does do a pretty good job of taking off the stain, the coffee and tea stain on the plastic. does not take it all away. It is not perfect, but it does a really good job, much better than the expensive Bottle Bright. The one thing that I have used that works okay is we have an ultrasonic cleaner that I use to clean my retainer. Put a little vinegar with some water in there. It works. Works the same as the baking soda and paste. Baking soda paste thing. 
but it's an ultrasonic cleaner, which not everybody has, so it's just fancy and more expensive. So use the baking soda and bristle brush method. It's easy, it's not expensive, and it will solve your problem. And that way, when you go to take a fresh sip of your warm beverage, you don't have to look at disgust at all the stains and be like, no. Yeah, the outside of your cup, the anything plastic and white, it'll still be stained. But just know that it's clean at least because you've cleaned it with baking soda and water. And if you're cleaning it with baking soda and vinegar, just realize that even though it foams up, you are not doing anything because the baking soda and vinegar cancel each other out. It will not do anything. So won't make like a volcano erupt or something like that. Well, it will be fizzy. It will be very impressive, but it's I think it's an acid and a base. Isn't that what baking soda and vinegar are? Yeah, I think so. I remember taking chemistry in junior high. Yeah, I'm not a scientist. I don't remember anything from it. Yeah, I don't either. Um, we have a number of college degrees between the two of us, but... We used to collect them. Yeah. It got um, expensive, though. It did. <laughs> so, yeah, just use one or the other. I advise baking soda. So, And now um, for something not completely different. Yeah, cleaning a dishwasher... Um, something you should be doing, speaking of baking soda and vinegar, something you should be doing on a regular basis. Trying to tell people to give their kid a bath, right? What? You're not trying to tell people to give their kid a bath, right? Cleaning a dishwasher, give the kid a bath. The kid is the dishwasher. Oh, okay. Sorry. I didn't understand. Yes. Um, Sorry, I just didn't understand. It was a sneak up surprise. Yeah. Um, you should be cleaning your dishwasher on a regular basis because your dishwasher cleans your dishes. And if your dishwasher has a funny smell in it, if it smells like mildew or if it just does not smell quite right, it's because you have not cleaned the filter in the bottom of your dishwasher. And it needs to be cleaned. So the filter in your dishwasher is usually found in the the floor, the bottom of your dishwasher. And just Google your dishwasher and you'll find the directions. But usually it's in the bottom. You just take out the filter and clean it with soap and water. It's probably going to be pretty gross if you've never done it before. So just kind of Provide don't, your own sound effects. don't think about it. Just... Put on a mask. We all have them. Just put on a mask and just don't think about it. Clean it with soap and water until it's very, very nice and shiny and clean. Put it back into your dishwasher. And then you want to wipe down the sides and the front of your dishwasher. Clean the seals, like the black black or gray seals on the side of the dishwasher. Wipe it down with an all-purpose cleaner or with vinegar and water. Make sure that those are really clean because gunk can accumulate there, like food and stuff, and that is going to really contribute to its smelling. Swipe everything down really well, and then you want to spray down the inside walls with vinegar and water. Vinegar is so useful in your house. Just spray everything down with vinegar and water. Just let it sit there. Just let it hang out for about 10 minutes. Don't do anything to it. Just let can it be. Can you play some music for it to vinegar to? You can. You can just say, do your thing, vinegar. What this is doing is any hard water stains or any buildup that's in your dishwasher, the vinegar will help it break down. Then, my recommendation is to buy a dishwasher cleaner, but... If you don't want to do that, you can get a, a bowl, a deep bowl, and place about a cup of vinegar, white vinegar, inside the bowl. Put it on your top rack. Nothing else in the dishwasher. Your dishwasher has to be completely empty. And run the hottest, longest cycle of your dishwasher with the vinegar inside. And your dishwasher will be clean again. If you run this cycle and your dishwasher still smells, repeat the, repeat the process. 
if it still smells, then you have a dishwasher. You have a different problem. Maybe there is a, a line, a water line, or you have a clog. You might need to call an appliance person. But more than likely, this will solve your issue. And I'm here to tell you, you should be cleaning the filter out once per week. Once per week. I bet people don't do that. I know. But if you do it once per week, your dishwasher will not smell. Once per week. Does it make the dishwasher last longer too? Oh yeah, it absolutely will. Your dishwasher will work better. Your dishes will be cleaner. You'll be happier. It'll be almost like having a new dishwasher. Yeah, pretty much. The filter and stuff is clear like it was when it was brand new. Yeah, it's amazing. You know, it seems obvious, but it's not. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. All right, so, you know, wild stuff happens in our lives. You know this. You listen to the podcast. I'm walking around, you know, in the office, clomp down the stairs. I come around the corner, and there's like a rug, like a log rug, which normally is in the front room sprawled across the entryway and there are ice cubes on it and there are glasses there's nothing else there just that and thinking uh, what is this Nicole what was that we have a rug in our let's see we have two rugs in our front room front room that are indoor outdoor rugs and one of them has corners that won't stay down and it drives me crazy i hate it so much i have tried iron it with an iron like you would a shirt i have tried everything well i did not try an iron but every year for spring cleaning, I take the rugs outside. I clean them because they can't be washed in the washing machine. But I've got indoor-outdoor rugs on purpose so that I can clean them with the power washer. So I soap them up really good. They get scrubbed. They get washed. Everything gets cleaned once a year. I dry them flat. Still, those stupid, good dang corners, they flip up. I don't know. And it's only on the one rug and it's the two opposite corners. The rugs are runners and they're right there because Clementine has a hard time walking across the hardwood floor. She gets a little slippy, weird slippy. about it. She doesn't like wide open spaces. Right. It's just that one rug. It's just those two corners. So I saw on TikTok that you can put ice cubes on the corner of the rug or wherever it's flipping up and put something heavy on the corner and it will fix this, that it will now stay down. So it actually worked? Sort of. So I think that with the type of rug we have, which is an outdoor rug, I think that it may be is the type of rug we have. And that's why it did not work perfectly. I think that with other types of rugs, like normal, hey, I live in a house and I have a normal indoor rug, I think it would work really, really well. So I linked in the show notes how to do it. I mean, really, you just put ice cubes on it and put a glass on it and that's it. I did it twice to the one corner that wouldn't stop flipping up. And I mean, it's flatter, but it's not perfectly flat. So I guess it's better. If you have a rug that is bugging you and the corner keeps flipping up, it's worth doing. I will say that. Who would have ever predicted that rugs would drive them crazy in their adult years? Does, didn't it drive you crazy, though? I mean, wasn't I it annoying to you? did not even notice. <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> yeah, but I don't go in that room that often, so that might be part of it. Every time I walked over that rug, I would take one of 
Wilhelmina's toys and put it on the corner. And I'd think, oh yeah, this'll do it after five years. This this will flatten it out. Sometimes I'm just kind of <laughs> accepting of whatever the condition is unless it's <laughs> terrible. Like I get I to me it would be a problem potentially as like a tripping hazard. I would worry about it then, but and maybe I just caught it when there was toys or other things on it. Oh God. But the internet nuts. has all kinds of tricks and I'm sure in a year's time, you're going to have some other kind of solution that makes that happen, short of like taking a nail and hammering it into the floor so it can't lift up. Yeah, I was I was tempted. If I hadn't, if I don't take it outside and wash it every year, and if I didn't need it to move around, yeah, I probably would. Just do people do like corner sticky tape to try to get it to stick to the floor. Yeah, but then it's stuck to the floor. Yeah. Then you know and you've got sticky gum on the floor that I would not and, like. And our floors are very, very old. They're original 1949 hardwood floors. And I don't want to stick anything to those floors. Yeah. yeah. It's just a mess. Well, that's why you do the brains in the outfit. Yep. Yep. Holy goodness. All right. Onward and upward. Nicole, what's up next? Well, um, the next topic is I'm going to let you talk about it. Well, I'll need a little help. Will you hold my hand? Um, Okay. Metaphorically speaking, <laughs> um, we uh, took interest in um, the use of ketamine for treating people with anxiety and depression. We had, this is my memory of it at least, we were watching The Good Fight, um, which is a nice fun courtroom drama show, and one of the lead characters was having like work-related stress because there was like gunmen coming into the building and they were afraid for their lives. And she was like ready to quit being a lawyer and retire for her life. And then she discovered ketamine infusions or whatever. And I turned to you, I was like, is that a real thing? Do you remember that? Um, I do. It was just yeah. like it was the other day. Um, <laughs> and you were like, yeah, that's totally a thing. You said that you had done some research on it. And I was like, really? And I've got to say, the whole treatment is S-ketamine. So you're not wrong, but it, it is. Oh, well, if I someone wants to pronounce that word. If someone wants to look it up, it's not ketamine because it's the FDA-approved version of ketamine. It's S-ketamine, which is just the word ketamine with an E-S at the front of it. So go ahead. Sorry. And you know, for us, it was particularly of interest because I actually do suffer from depression and anxiety. Um, I've done meditation. I've done mindfulness. I've done exercise. I've done therapy. I've tried a lot of different medications. Um, obviously, I'm still up and about, so it's not been so dramatic that I've decided to end things. But for some people, it does get to be that severe. And for a lot of people who are resistant to the available treatments and are still struggling with it. Some people have said that this pharmacological approach to things is an alternative treatment that actually people have a lot of success with, but it's not easy to get like you, you can't just go down to the corner corner pharmacy and get it. You can't have your family doctor um, prescribe it for you. You have to get it from a specialist and there's all kinds of rules from one state to the next of whether it's permitted or not because it's whatever. We should do an episode sometime about drugs and medications and things like that. Like I hear like schedule this, schedule that, but I don't really know what all of it means other than that it's regulated or more people are looking at things. But um, yeah, you you have to work with a specialist for it. You have to have tried and been unsuccessful at using some other standard things, and then they may be able to try this as a treatment. And it's not an inexpensive treatment. It's something like $1,000 per treatment or something of that sort just because of all the details related to it. Um, but a lot of insurance will cover it. Um, we had been trying a lot of different things and found out that our insurance would cover it after I had tried a lot of different things. And yesterday afternoon was the first time that I ever got to try it. And I was kind of scared and intimidated and anxious about it. Yeah, a person with anxiety is anxious about something like that. That kind of makes sense, doesn't it? Um, 
but it was a very interesting experience. Um, taking it like you, the way it's administered is it's a nasal shot. So you do like a little puff in your one nostril and breathe in deeply. Then you do the same on the other. And then 15 minutes later or so, you start feeling effects of it. And I honestly couldn't even tell if when I did the little nasal thing, if I had even done it right, because it, it didn't feel like anything and then it didn't make a major sound. And I have used like Flonase or whatever for nose allergy stuff. And that like is a spritz. You can really, really tell for sure. But 15 minutes in, I definitely started feeling the effects probably similar that what was told to me is that it feels similar to if like you start to get buzzed drinking alcohol or just feeling euphoric. But like over time, um, it was like the most relaxed I've ever felt. Like imagine like an itch that normally is bugging you and doesn't go away. And then magically it just stops. It was really, really surprising. And like, I was still completely aware of everything. I guess I kind of from depictions of uh, people who take medications that are based on these things on TV and movies to be like having it alter your state of consciousness or make it feel like you're not really experiencing things. But it's just for me was like being able to experience things at a probably what is a normal pace for everybody else and just not feeling all of the anxiety and stress and sadness that depression brings normally. And it's, it's a day later now. I still don't know if I'm just imagining it and it's a placebo effect, but it feels as if it has had a positive effect. Like I don't feel, um, the tenseness of anxiety as intensely today, but I don't know if like, I'm just thinking that or not. So I don't know. It was, it was an interesting, unique experience. It's something I wish everybody could actually try at some point in time, just because it's, is like a, wow, this is amazing, interesting experience. I was texting with you while I was doing this. Did you notice anything different about my texts? Mm, I mean, maybe a little bit. So the, the, if you have treatment resistant anxiety and depression, this is a, a treatment that is available. And depending on where you live, it is available in both the intravenous form and the nasal spray form and the tablet form. It's orally available as well. And some of these, um, modalities you can have prescribed to take at home and some of them you obviously have to take at a doctor's office it took us a long time to find the right doctor and the right provider to prescribe it and i had to take it in a in the at the doctor's office in that setting like it's not something that you bring home like i don't think i said that or not yes i probably should have said more about all of the nice planning that you had done, which helped to make the experience a pleasant one. Like you had told me as well, I was. Well, hold on. We'll, we'll talk about that in a second, oh, but cool. um, it, you can, so taking this medication is kind of like a, not a last resort, but it's kind of like the, what you do after all of the other things have failed and not failed as in you are, at the end of your rope, but failed as in you have tried a lot of other medication over a period of months to years. And you are also in therapy with a, a trusted physician. So you have a person you're talking to and then a person you're treating with for medication. So you might have more than one doctor you're treating with. And finding a doctor can be difficult because right now in our society, finding psychiatric care is not easy. It's hard finding care for like a family doctor. Like yeah, I finding any doctor is difficult. I doctor yeah. to an internal medicine doctor. I've been telling people this all week. It took like a year to get in to see 
him as a new patient. Yeah. Right now I need a rheumatologist and, and I cannot find any. one. <laughs> there are literally none in, yes. in the region. Yeah. There are no rheumatologists. Um, so if you, if you're interested in trying this, if this sounds like something that might be something that might work for you, um, first of all, and most importantly, depression and anxiety is nothing, absolutely nothing to be, I don't want to say embarrassed because I don't want that to be the wrong word, but I'm going to say it. It's nothing to be, it's nothing to be embarrassed about. You're not a broken person. Right. And it has a right to judge you for it. And it is a real, truly serious medical condition and it's not anyone's fault. It's a chemical issue in the person's brain and it's not punishment for not having cleaned your dishwasher exactly right have someone else clean it for a while that's just the way it is marry a a nicole (laughs) they're very rare but they're they're true um depression anxiety is very serious and it just try your very best to find a person who can help you. And I am going to say this, but not every doctor is a good match. You might see a therapist and think, wow, that did not go well. That is not your fault either. Not every therapist is a good match. Um, I'm here to tell you, I have seen some mental health professionals and I thought, holy moly, that person was very strange. Not every person is the right person. So don't stop looking for that right person. If you advice. go onto the Spravato website, there's a link in our show notes. They have a whole um, catalog, I don't want to say catalog, but I'm going to, catalog of Spravato providers, which is where we found Michael's, that, that was Clementine sneezing. <laughs> um, they have a whole list of Spravato providers all over the United States, and that's where we were able to find the doctor who Michael sees and he is a very nice man and he does a good job at his job. So you can find a doctor who might provide Spravato therapy in your area. Um, now getting it approved by insurance, these physicians who work with Spravato and Janssen, which I didn't know Janssen, same as Johnson and Johnson. I had no idea. Oh really? Yeah. So they work with Johnson & Johnson. They know how to do this. They can help you out. They can help you work with your insurance. There's also a part of Spravato called Spravato With Me, and it's a savings card. And if you've never used these savings cards, I don't know what kind of black magic these cards are, but the first time we used one was with a medication that I had to have. And this medication costs thousands. It was not Spravato. It was a different one for my neurological issues, but this medication costs thousands of dollars and Michael took it to the pharmacy and the pharmacist looked at him and said, oh yeah, the medication will be like $400. And Michael said, oh, I have this card. And she goes, oh, in that case, it's nothing. And we were both like, what? (laughs) There was a a podcast, this is probably six years or more ago that NPR did about this topic and those types of discount cards and part of their strategy behind it is that um, by not charging the consumer, they're able to essentially still get people medications and they get the payment from the insurance company. And even just getting that payment is still profitable for them. It's so, it's so weird, but Spravato has a, has one of these magical cards so if you don't have insurance or if your insurance doesn't cover the whole copay, they can assist. They can assist. And the Spravato card is one of those magical cards. So I would definitely call the Janssen. It's called Spravato with me. I will call the Janssen line if your insurance doesn't cover it. And I would ask them if they can help you because it is very, very expensive, but they might have a program that you fit into. You never know. You never know. And anxiety and depression is so super common. Like Georgetown University did a study back in 2020 or so that 5.6 million kids, um, which is 9.2% of kids, are diagnosed with anxiety by specific ages. So, And it's 
you know, something that's really, really common in every generation, but a lot of the younger people, you know, college age kids, young kids that are growing up now, anxiety is becoming more and more of a common thing. And like they had done some studies and seen how, you know, like there was a 25% increase in anxiety and depression when the whole COVID pandemic thing happened. And so I, the main reason I bring that up is, you know, think about if you look out there and you see 10 people, one of those people has probably some pretty severe anxiety. It's common and it's not something like Nicole said that you have to feel ashamed about or anything you, you may to do it. I, there's times where I do, um, makes me feel like I'm a broken person or that I did something wrong. It's just, that's, it's a normal thing and it's much better to try to get help and be proactive about it than just to suffer in silence. Right. So yeah, we don't know if it will, if it has worked completely yet or not, but hopefully very hopeful. Yeah. And for those of you who ever do have the experience of taking this, there's like Nicole does did Nicole level research, which means nuclear strength, uh, and she learned about a whole bunch of really good things to take with you. Like I would say, is it, is it okay to talk about this segment here? Yeah, I don't care. So you um, had told me that like after you take the nasal spray that everybody comments that it's bitter. And so it's good to have hard candy to do. And of course, we're keto. So we needed to have candy that was sugar free. And of course, Nicole had that. And I... Well, I packed a bag that you, all of, I packed him packed a bag kinds of that had all the stuff in it for him because I've never taken Spravato, so I, I wasn't. But you read up on it a lot. Yes, I did the research. And it, it was right on. Like it's, it's common enough that in the, the office, they actually had like a whole container of like Jolly Ranchers and peppermints because it's evidently a very well-known thing. Those wouldn't have been ideal for the keto diet because of the carbs and sugar and everything. Um, you also did some research of uh, people who had put together specific playlists that were found to be supportive or helpful during the experience. And the, the ones that you found for me really did make a big difference in terms of going through the therapy and the therapy lasts like two hours. So it's like you have to be there for a bit. Yeah. John Hopkins has the ketamine therapy playlist that is the highest recommended. So that's the one I sent you with. Yeah. Very good stuff. And you sent me off with blankets and neck pillows and eye masks and comfort items and all kinds of things. And all of them were very, very helpful. You should write a book, Nicole. All of these things that you've figured out for how to be helpful. <laughs> I mean, who's going to think of cleaning a dishwasher? It's like... I think that most people know that they should do it. I just think that most people don't know how to do it, and they are intimidated. They and don't want to do it. They don't, yeah, they don't want to do it until it absolutely becomes necessary, and they're, they're thinking, all right, my dishwasher's not working anymore. What does that smell oh my God, what is happening? Yeah. Yeah, they can't handle it. The one other, to me, was funny comment of when I was um, going through therapy and, and texting Nicole. Nicole was texting me a bunch of gifts from the office that were very funny. And with my greater ability to pay attention to and look at stuff, I was seeing all kinds of detail in my comments to her was, and that was how she stealthily got him to actually like the office. And she just sent, I don't know, it's just a whole bunch of really clever gifts and everything. And so I tried to think to myself as I'm going through this experience, what's something clever I could send Nicole? And the thing that I thought of to search for with the little emoji thing was panda smoochies. I don't know why, but I thought of panda smoochies and I found a mama panda kissing a baby panda. And I sent you that. And I said, as a comment, he thought, what's the funniest gift he could send? He searched for panda smoochies because that's the kind of guy I am. 
So, you know, my dad humor was in full effect. It was not affected by this bravado. So if, if anybody would be preventing themselves from considering that treatment because they're like, what will happen to my dad jokes? Don't worry. They'll, they'll still work. Yep. All right. Well, you've got this thing that you're like really into. It's kind of like therapy. It, it brings happiness and joy. You really like TikTok. I do. I enjoy TikTok. I'm actually worried TikTok's going to be banned, but all my favorite TikTokers assure me that it's not going to be banned, so I'm just not going to think about it. I was reading that if they force them to sell it to an American company, that Microsoft and Oracle are possible uh, companies that would buy them. They say it's a good thing that the guy, the, the person who owns TikTok or the, the TikToker people are coming to the United States this next week for a meeting, so... The, the news under the desk lady, person who I adore and I watch every time, I watch all of their TikToks, um, they have told me not to worry, so I'm not worrying. They'll figure it out. I mean, TikTok is, has a very, it's very sticky, it's very fun, it's doing a lot of things right, but it's an iteration of those that came before, you know, it's, it's a takeoff of Snapchat and a vine and a lot of other things. YouTube has been trying to copy some of the magic of the format in their short stuff. Yeah, but that's not good. I don't like it. The thing that still makes me kind of chuckle about like the history of TikTok is that it originally was a company called Musical.ly and was videos of people singing songs that they liked. And that became part of the foundation that became TikTok. Yeah. I have a deal with myself that I will only, only, only open TikTok when I have time because I cannot watch just five TikToks. Does it disappear the time when you... It's terrible. It's so bad. I will scroll. I have to like keep walking when I open TikTok because if I don't, I will stand there and just keep, I'll just keep watching. It's terrible. So have there been any specific accounts or do they call them ticks or talks or what do they call them? They're just TikToks. TikToks. We're going to start doing Nicole's TikTok of the week. Oh. And this week, my TikTok account of the week is called Riley Ranch. I have a thing called misophonia where I do not care for the, the sound of breathing, yawning, chewing, teeth brushing. I don't like that noise. Any kind of mouth sounds. Yeah, not my favorite. Don't like it. Not not my favorite thing in the world. And it's evidently a very common condition. It is. I do not like it. It just... Ugh. So what do you like about Riley Ranch and how is that connected to um, mouth sounds? I enjoy Riley Ranch because... I know, this is so weird. It is a ranch owned by two people and it's their animals and they feed them wheelbarrows full of food and it's just the animals eating and it is so gloriously amazing. If you are ever having a bad day, just visit the Riley Ranch TikTok. It's so fantastic. They have a cow named Abigail, they have a llama named Fernando and a pig named Meredith and then they just have a bunch of goats Oh my God, I love that TikTok so much. And the, the one that you shared with me had goats in it. Yeah, the they they do that one. The, the one that I sent you, I'm not going to tell you what they were eating in that one because that is a favorite because it's good. It's a good one. But the one that I sent you, they did that one is kind of like a a trick. They manage a trickster. to keep it interesting. They do. Like you, it's so fantastic. You kind of can't help but wonder what are they going to I know. be feeding the animal? And they're feeding them really high quality, wonderful things. It's it's stuff that you know would probably be human grade food if you know it had a little bit more prep on it and everything. And they're all rescued animals too. And they're it's so it's just it's the best. I love those. I freaking love those animals. <laughs> Do you have a, a favorite 
of all of the animals? Like, do you like the pigs, the goats? I love the goats. Like the one of them eating tomatoes, it just cracks me up. Like eventually those goats have tomatoes all over their faces, their heads, and it is so noisy, them chewing those gosh darn tomatoes, but they are just loving life. And it looks like they, I mean, they just scrolling through it, they, oh, they've even got emus and, or maybe, maybe ostriches. They have ostriches and emus. Those ostriches are just wildly behaved. It's hilarious. Yeah. It is just a great, if you're ever having a bad day, I'm telling you, Riley Ranch. They have. 8.3 million likes currently and a quarter million followers. Yep. You can't go wrong. Watching rescued farm animals eating wheelbarrows full of donated food. Life doesn't get much better than that, evidently. It's amazing. I kind of like how all of these social media platforms and content creation and distribution platforms make it so that Anybody who has a passion for something or is a good storyteller can reach millions of people. Like, this is somebody who we would probably have never even seen unless they wound up on, like, a blooper show or America's Funniest Home Videos or on some kind of thing. It's just kind of cool to get to explore and see all of that. There's a a YouTuber that I uh, follow sometimes who is a farmer and so you get to see what it's actually like of driving the big combines and doing all of the different stuff i like knowing how all of the intricacies of things work yeah i follow a lot of farmers what is it with us and farms i don't know what it is maybe we were farmers in past lives could be there's something that's genuinely generally appealing about it it's very interesting very interesting. Are there so, any other TikTokers you want to call out, or just is no? It's just one one, one TikTok account of the week. That oh, is my TikTok account. That's why it one. says Nicole's TikTok account of the week. <laughs> and we so this is good though. This this is a you know keep people coming back, get them interested. You want to know what's going to happen next? We've got that and like some fun topics coming up in future episodes, don't we? Yes, next week we will be talking to Chip. He is a person I miss terribly. Oh, I love Chip. <laughs> he used to cut our hair and he moved away and I will forever be angry with him for moving away. The people where he moved to, which is a place that he lived before, were so delighted to have him back, which I can totally get. I know. He's just he's one of those fantastic people. I know. So we get to talk to him and... We're going to talk to him about mullets. about mullets. I know. Oh, boy. And we're also going to be reviewing a new flavor of keto chow that is arriving today. I'm not going to tell you what flavor, but it's um very exciting. So, yeah, and we have other topics that I didn't write down, but, you know. We'll just have all kinds of great goodness for you. Yep. But remember, anytime that you need to have a little bit of fun, a little pizzazz in your life, you can visit not just rainbows.net. You can listen to previous episodes. You can check out the show notes. There's all kinds of links you can click on and stuff you can check out. We've got tips on cleaning. We've got links to things to make you smile. It, it's just, it's really not just rainbows and unicorns. It's everything. So visit Drop us your comments, send us suggestions for future shows, and until then, we hope you have a great week. Goodbye.